Welcome to NFP's Insights from the Experts podcast. Each episode showcases timely expertise and perspective from members of the NFP community, delivering information, analysis, and solutions that address our clients' most significant challenges. Hello, and welcome to the Benefits Compliance Podcast. My name is Suzanne Spradley. I'm here with my colleague, Chase Cannon. We are attorneys with the NFP Benefits Compliance team, and we do these broadcasts to bring to you some of the latest developments that affect our clients' uh, employee benefit plans. And so today we're going to discuss some updates on the FFCRA, taking the coronavirus-related leave when it comes to school reopenings and a case concerning the FFCRA. So, Chase, let's start off with the school reopenings. Yeah, the school year is back or nearly back for most of the country. Today, Suzanne, I have two Meet the Teacher Zoom calls for my kids. Your kids are already back at it. Um, Our school is online for the first four weeks. We don't have in-person learning for now, but the school arrangements vary across the country, all online, a mixture of online and in-person and all in-person. So really a lot of different uh, scenarios in front of people today. Yes, and I do feel for those parents with young children, such as yourself. (laughs) Right, it's a challenge. Um, And it's a grab bag of potential issues for employers as they try and figure out work arrangements for parents with kids in school. But let's back up really quick and revisit the background of the FFCRA just to get some context here. The FFCRA uh, was passed back in March. It applies to employers with fewer than 500 employees and it requires those employers to provide emergency paid sick leave, or EPSL, as well as expanded and paid FMLA, which we call EFMLA, to employees under certain circumstances. Uh, For EPSL, there are six reasons for leave, including several relating to a COVID-19 isolation or quarantine order, an actual COVID-19 diagnosis for the employee or his or her family members, or someone experiencing COVID-19 symptoms and seeking a medical diagnosis. What we're focusing on here though, is a different reason for EPSL and the only reason for EFMLA. And that is the employee is unable to work or telework because they have to care for their child whose school or place of care has been closed or is unavailable due to COVID-19 precautions. There are some employee notification and attestation requirements, and the leave is allowed only if there's no other suitable person in the household to watch the children. But under EPSL, an employee can get paid leave for up to 80 hours or two weeks if you're thinking full-time employment. And under EFMLA, that leave can extend for up to 12 total weeks. There really are only two restrictions on that available time. First, if the employee previously within the past 12 months took FMLA, then the total 12 weeks of EFMLA is reduced by the prior FMLA leave taken by the employee. So it's not in addition to FMLA, it's just another reason to take FMLA, and of course it's paid. The second restriction is that it will be combined with prior time taken under FFCRA. So if an employee took this type of leave back in the spring or during summer, the time they could take now in the fall could be limited. But overall, it's a significant amount of time potentially available to employees. For employers, there's this tax credit that they can claim to offset the leave, so it's not a direct hit to the budget for employers, but it does create a little bit of a headache to administer. So really what we're focusing on today relates back to this idea of whether a school is closed or unavailable due to COVID-19 
precautions. Is that the case where the school is partially closed? What about if it's just online learning or entirely remote? These are the types of situations, as we just talked about, that employees are facing. So it's the reality now that we're in September and moving forward with the school year. Right. And, and then, of course, there's the situations, which I know we'll dive into, of what, when you have the ability to choose between the two. So right. it's, it's definitely a challenge for the parents, of course, um, with all the various school arrangements. And it's a challenge for the employers. And mm -hmm. so what has the DOL said um, in terms of uh, providing guidance on these types of situations? Well, until last week, they really hadn't provided any type of guidance. But now we have a few uh, DOL FAQs. They have a FAQ webpage that now has 100 FAQs on it. Wow. So quite a few. For your enjoyment on a Friday <laughs> night if you're bored. Yeah, the DOL recently added numbers 98, 99, and 100. The three new FAQs really address two scenarios, and those relate back to these situations that we're talking about. So looking at the first scenario, this is where the child's school remains physically closed. The school year has begun remotely or online only, so children are not permitted to attend school in person. According to the guidance, under this scenario, the employee would be eligible for paid leave under the FFCRA. Makes sense. Yeah, the days, you know, the child is not permitted to attend school in person, and the employee is in need uh, of leave to take care of that child during that time. So if the only option is online, the employee could qualify for FFCRA. And remember really quickly on this one and, and on all these really, that there must be no other suitable person available to care for the child. So thinking about single parents first, if they have to work and no one else in the household can watch the child, think about individuals like parent, other parents, grandparents, an older sibling, somebody else around, uh, but that single parent could potentially qualify because there's nobody else in the house to, to help with that care. If there are two parents in the home, both must be unavailable to watch the child. So just that idea of whether there's someone else in the house that can be there watching over the child. And then remember, Suzanne, we've talked about this on other podcasts, but kids 15 and older, they have to have a special need in order to for the employee to qualify. Older teenage children, at least according to the DOL and IRS, should be able to watch themselves. Right. That's a should. <laughs> I've got four 17-year-olds, so I, I can see that. Uh, but no, actually, I think it's much harder on the, on the, as I said, with the parents with the younger ones, the older teenage kids should be able to take care of themselves. But I think um, that's an important point, as well as the idea of household, of someone being within the household. Mm -hmm. So you've got a grandparent that doesn't live with you. Um, they would not be considered within the household, I would presume. Right. And so what's the second scenario that's addressed um, under these FAQs? Yeah, the second is where the child's school has opened on a hybrid basis. So the school is physically open every weekday, but students alternate days between attending school in person and attending remotely from home. In other words, children are only permitted to attend school in person on assigned days or days that they've chosen to attend in person. Uh, in this scenario, the DOL FAQ says the employee would be eligible for paid leave under FFCRA on the days that the child is not permitted to attend school in person, again, if the employee needs to take that leave to watch the child. This is the case even where parents are given a choice as to whether the child will attend school in person or remotely. So I know that's common around the country right now. If the employee chooses for the child to attend school remotely for personal reasons, including some type of fear or um, hesitation 
due to the fact that the child could potentially contract COVID-19, that's not enough to trigger the FFCRA leave here. Okay, so just addressing a potential third scenario that could come into play, it's clear that if a school is open full-time and kids are expected to attend full-time in person, then FFCRA is unavailable, right? Yeah, that gets back to the same concept, but it's kind of a third scenario that's not directly in the FAQs, but is obviously uh, the case. In in that case, the school isn't closed for COVID-19 purposes, so an employee could not rely on that reason to qualify for FFCRA leave. Uh, The DOL and IRS in that scenario are basically assuming that things are kind of back to normal, at least for those individuals, and the parent or parents should be able to go back to work. Um, Of course, if the situation shifts, uh, the school has an outbreak or somebody tests positive, uh, then the parents might be back into that new normal and could potentially qualify for FFCRA if the school went back to an online or closed the school. So everything continues to be very fluid. So what else beyond the DOL FAQ clarification should employers be thinking about as schools attempt to resume here right now in the fall? Yeah, a few more things to consider. First, there are state leave laws out there. We've talked about these in the past, and we continue to do our best to monitor state leave laws and report them in our biweekly legislative and regulatory newsletter called Compliance Corner. And so this obviously depends on the state in which the employer has employees And we won't go into a 50-state survey here, but some states have additional protections for employees in these types of scenarios. So employers just have to be aware of those additional protections at a state level. Right. I mean, it's really a nightmare for multi-state employers, and particularly at the rate that we're seeing states and even cities and counties um, enacting or adding to these laws. So it's really a challenge just trying to to keep up with them for employers. But we, this is a good segue now into what we had alluded to earlier in, uh, regarding a case that recently came up out of the state of New York relating to the FFCRA. Tell us about that. Yeah, there, there's always something happening in New York. <laughs> right. This gets back to the uh, FFCRA overall. So now we're talking broadly, not just about the school closures. Basically, though, shortly after the DOL published their overall FFCRA guidance, and now we're going all the way back to April of this year, the state of New York filed a lawsuit basically saying that the DOL rules were too broad and that they imposed undue hardship on employers. And the district court in New York, this is the Southern District of New York, um, ruled on this about a month ago at the beginning of August, and they basically agreed with the state. Okay, so it's first of all, I think it's funny that we say way back to April because it does seem <laughs> like we're in such a different time right now. So, right. Um, but let's break that down. What what are the portions of the FFCRA with which the state and the court took issue? Yeah, there were basically four parts of the FFCRA that were in play, in play here. The first relates to the so-called work availability condition. And this is the idea that the employer must have work available to the employee in order for the employee to qualify for FFCRA leave. The employee might be under a quarantine or isolation order or caring for someone who does, but if there's no work for the employee to do, then there's no need for the employee to take leave. Which is kind of counterintuitive for the overall purpose. It is. So um, on this condition, this work availability condition, the court noted that the DOL did not justify why it imposed this condition upon some of the circumstances, but not others, or why the DOL felt that such a condition was necessary to begin with. So the court struck down that requirement and 
and they felt like the FFCRA was broad enough to say that it's, it's not really the employee's fault here that the employer has no work for the employee. It's really the employee's situation that should drive the leave qualification. Got it. Interestingly, this decision from the court to strike down the work availability requirement, it stands a little bit in contrast to the longstanding FMLA regulations. And remember, this leave is uh, both an emergency paid sick leave, but also an expanded FMLA leave. Uh, but the FMLA regulations that are in play now make clear that periods of time when an employee would not otherwise be expected to work should not count against an employee's FMLA leave entitlement. So this is from the FMLA rules. They basically say, if for some reason the employer's business activity has temporarily ceased and employees generally are not expected to report for work for one or more weeks, the days the employer's activities have ceased do not count against the employee's FMLA leave entitlement. They give an example of a school closing two weeks for this Christmas New Year holiday or the summer vacation or an employer closing the plant for retooling or repairs. So those are similar to the types of closures that we've seen during the pandemic. True. So in other words, the periods of leave where the employee would not have been able to work anyway cannot be FMLA leave right. under the, the rules that are there currently. Yet the district court, they use this somewhat unusual snow day analogy in their decision, they basically noted that an ongoing period of parental leave would continue despite a one-day weather-related closure. So for employers used to operating under the FMLA's, F, <laughs> FMLA's regular provisions, there's a distinction between providing statutory leave on an ongoing basis despite a brief business or operational interruption as opposed to the obligation to provide such leave during a period where operations have essentially come to a standstill for an extended period of time. So um, that's a little bit of a, a contradiction there that will have to be uh, worked through. And one of the reasons that some legal experts don't think that New York's holding will stand. In the meantime, though, the practical outcome here potentially opens the door for leave requests by employees who are furloughed or temporarily laid off or whose employers ha have had to temporarily cease operations under state or local orders or due to economic circumstances during the pandemic. So I'll know, I know that we'll get to the point of where, uh, how this court ruling impacts everyone outside of New York. Yeah. Um, but before we do, let's talk about the other three issues that were discussed by this case about the FFCRA. Yeah, we'll go through those a little bit more quickly. But the, the second one was the DOL's rules defined healthcare providers. Those are air quotes there, healthcare providers very broadly. Under the FFCRA, employers can exempt certain employees from obtaining the leave if they are healthcare providers. And the DOL defined this term to include not only medical doctors and nurses, but also any employee who could be considered necessary for the efficient provision of healthcare. And so that could include individuals such as administrative staff um, who would not be directly responsible for diagnosing or treating patients with COVID-19. And again, the court found that this deal, the DOL's justification for this definition uh, was overbroad and did not establish a sufficient connection to the provision of healthcare services. So that was the second thing is this definition of healthcare providers. The third thing was the DOL requires employers to consent to an employee's request to take FFCR leave intermittently before the leave can be taken in that matter. And the court found no justification for this requirement 
um, since the FFCRA doesn't require it and no public health issue is solved by adding it. And then the last thing had to do with uh, notification from the employee. Basically, the uh, rule from the DOL required employees to provide certain information, and um, the DOL went a little bit too far in what they require from the employees um, in the event that an employee seeks paid sick leave under FFCRA. Basically saying this is a, an, an unreasonable notice procedure and they're asking for too much information. So the court reasoned that that's, again, too much, too much is being required here. You're going a little bit farther than what the FFCRA seems to stay, say on its face. And so the court basically struck down those four provisions. Yeah, so this is problematic for employers. What are they to do? I mean, is this considered the ruling final? Does it is it imposed on employers outside of New York or just employers in New York? Like, give us a, you know, give us some clarity around that. Yeah, this is a really difficult one to ascertain or determine the extent of the impact on of this decision. Although the court's decision directly affects the application of the DOL's rules in the state of New York. It's unclear whether it applies nationwide. Uh, it, in addition, the decision is being appealed and could potentially be overturned in a higher court. So the other thing to consider is other states, uh, if they contemplate similar legal actions, that could impact the answer in other states. So right now, a big fat question mark. We just don't know exactly what it means. New York employers should probably be cautious, should review this with outside counsel, um, and get their leave policies reviewed by outside counsel just to make sure. Um, but we'll continue to monitor and see if this gets appealed and what the courts do in the next step, or if the DOL decides to make a change to the rules based on this, which I think is probably unlikely. Right. It, yeah. This, uh, although they could provide some, they, they may bend on some of these, maybe not all of them, but um, uh, some of it, uh, it, was, it remains to be seen. We'll yeah. have to see what, what does happen with this, but very interesting. Thanks for bringing this to our attention, Chase. And we will certainly stay on top of this and continue to report if any clarification comes out on any of what we've talked about today with the FFCRA and, and certainly on other matters related to um, the pandemic and the election um, and those those things that impact uh, the employers and their, their group health plan. So right. Chase, thank you very much. And as we like to say on this podcast, that's a wrap. That's a wrap. Thanks for joining. 